Welcome to How I Hoff with Sarah Norris. As Wim says, you've got to follow the feeling. In other words, the Wim Hof method is not a prescription and it's not dogma. In each episode, we talk to Wim Hof method practitioners to find out how they hoff. Today's guest is Matthew Wah. Matthew is a massage therapist in Zurich, Switzerland, and the owner and founder of Heal Well Massage and Personal Training. When I first met Matthew, I was struck by his playful energy and how he fully embraces those around him without reservation. Matthew has an amazing story from fleeing Vietnam at the age of seven to genuinely embracing his own differences. He is filled with wisdom and positivity, and it all shines through in this episode. So please enjoy. I discovered and fell in love with the method because after doing the breath work about five or six rounds, mm-hmm. I started leaving my body. Really? And I would turn around and see my body right there. And I thought, what the hell is that? <laughs> What's happening? And then I go, wow, that's so uh, crazy. And then I gasp for the air and then I fall mm-hmm. back into my body. Mm-hmm. And, and that was exciting. That was amazing. I go for another round and just exactly that. I would see, you know, like blue spine, mm-hmm. glowing light structure of my body, just lifting and lifting. And then I do that for couple more rounds and I thought I would go do I like to continue just feeling light and leaving my body right Mm -hmm. but I'm really needing to take a breath Mm -hmm. so I do here do I take this breath and fall back to earth Mm -hmm. or do I just hold on and enjoy this feeling and then I make an agreement with whatever myself is and say, okay, we take a breath, but we go another round. Uh-huh. We take a breath and we go another round. Before I know it, I've done like 10, 11 rounds. <laughs> I hardly do 10 or 11 rounds anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, that's how I fell in love with the method. I thought, wow, this doesn't just make me feel lighter, more relaxed give me better sleep but it really gives me an outer body light experience there's so much more to my existence and my being than I know and I need to explore it more Mm. yeah the component of the water is I've always been in um, love with the water And that love with the water started when I left Vietnam as a boat refugee in the middle of the night at seven. Oh, my goodness. The days of the war where where the bombing was in Da Nang, in the central of of Australia, of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And I left with my family in a rickety boat of 190 people, 17 meters long. For four days, we floated and drifted and 
had no water. I remember opening my mouth, drinking rainwater because we ran out of water. I remember putting my hand out in the night into the boat and just enjoying the ocean mm -hmm. and feeling the flow of the ocean. At seven, I thought it was a, uh, an adventure. Yeah. And from that moment, I really have always used the term water rat. I'm a water rat. I ended up being sponsored by a wonderful family, uh, Christian family to Australia. Mm -hmm. And I always loved the water by that time. And when I love combining it with the cold was I remember going to the Swiss Alps when I first came to Switzerland and settled in Switzerland 19 years ago. I'd mm -hmm. go up to the top of the mountain and I'll always take my shirt off. Not just as for the photos. It's 3,000 meters high or whatever. My mom is super embarrassed. My <laughs> brother and my sister is crazy. What are you doing? Everybody's looking at us and everything. So it's always very different. But I love that crispness of that cold. And mm -hmm. the, the Alps, it's a dry cold. So you're not cold, cold. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, low humidity cold. And it was just so wonderful. So I love that component of the cold. So going back to your childhood experience, um, yeah, as a child, you say you thought at the time when you were on the boat, it was night you were leaving Danang, 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 yeah, um, that it was an adventure. And... It was also a moment where you like you look back on it and you're connected strongly to the element of water from that um, experience and that time in your life. So just rounding that out a bit beforehand, I mean, you're, you also um, had experience of the war in your hometown and then afterward experience as a refugee. So was it always adventure or was there adversity? in those times too that you remember processing? I was shielded by a lot of it, but I do remember that we were hungry mm -hmm. and that we didn't have food. And there was a lot of crying and fighting. And I think it has helped me release a lot of my traumas, which I processed away or maybe made it away as, adventure mm -hmm. um packed away the bombing and packed away the um Viet Cong or uh doing human control who's allowed to be here and who's allowed not to be here and because my aunt was staying with us she came from Saigon and we were preparing to leave mm -hmm. I remember patrols coming into us at 3 a.m and we had to hide them otherwise they'll go into jail wow. and and preparing to leave vietnam and we really left with nothing mm -hmm. uh, other than apparently some swallowed gold where eventually when we got to the vietnamese uh, um camp my mum traded um some several ounces of gold uh -huh. for packets of instant noodles mm -hmm. that's how, how poor and desperate we were for 
um, some some sustenance. Yeah. Even in the camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you say that it it's, has helped you processing traumas, has it is it been just like that emotional release, or is it something else? I don't know. I. I dip differently to every other person, I think. I always get in my head in. And I think it's about getting into the depths of things. Mm -hmm. I remember the deep, deep darkness of the ocean mm -hmm. um, and how tiny and how how fragile things were. One mm -hmm. big wave, we would be over. Mm -hmm. right? um, and instead of being so scared of it, I was so mystified by it. And just be reminded how tiny and insignificant we are mm -hmm. <laughs> and how lucky I am to be alive. When I first met Wim, that's when I became barefoot. I met another instructor, um, Matthias, who's a brother from another mother, actually. Um, his name is Matthias. My name is Matthew. He's an instructor. I was to become an instructor. He was my guide instructor and he but he also was barefoot and he's been barefoot for seven years and he has really wide forefoot very wide uh -huh. foot, big foot it's like beautiful feet I thought and so I learned some things about him and I see Wim often barefoot too and his stories of running marathon barefoot mm -hmm. so for my mindset component of of level one or level two, I thought, well, I'm just going to be barefoot and mm -hmm. I'm going to run a marathon barefoot. It's a mindset for me because I've never even run a half marathon, let alone a marathon, uh -huh. and do it barefoot. So I was going to use mindset. And as a oxygen advantage instructor too, I'm going to do that with my mouth closed. Mm -hmm. So I did very little um, mouth breathing. During the whole marathon. How long Through did it take? Marathon. I, I took as long as it took. So okay. more than five hours. But oh, I no, wanted... no, no. I mean to train. Like how long did you spend training? Uh just a couple of months before I started training. Yeah. I thought, uh the two weeks before I ran a half marathon doing it, but uh -huh. I was so afraid because I couldn't run that half marathon in two and a half hours. And if I didn't do the half marathon in two and a half hours, they will stop me from running the half, the rest yeah. of the marathon. So mm -hmm. my whole stress was like, I got to get two and a half hours in and mm -hmm. so on. And so I, I'm really glad I not own. Yeah. I finished that really, really well, really proud. Like I had Swiss television covering me. Wow. Um, people were. So for me, that was like that moment where I felt like there is now nothing that I cannot achieve if I set my mind to it. Yeah. How long had you been barefoot before you ran the marathon? Uh, about eight months. Okay. So that but still I, was it on a paved path or was it on like was, a... It was a paved path. Ooh. A paved path. A paved path is not that easy no. <laughs> because it's so high impact. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. I did train with some people beforehand as a group and in that training part of the group everybody was training for the half marathon 
but they didn't know I registered <laughs> to travel the full marathon, uh-huh. nor that I would do it completely barefoot. <laughs> but then I thought, Matthew, you're so slow, right? But I said, I still have half the way to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is crazy. But so let's taking a step back um, to how, how did you find the Wim Hof method to begin with? You said that you, like you shared a lot of um, like the impact I, of the breath and the cold. And, I, yeah. I don't remember what YouTube video okay. or what Fair show enough. it was, but just somehow I was drawn to his voice. I'm very connected to Wim's voice. I just remembering the sobbing <laughs> that I did in his arms at the end of breath work led by him in the front of the lake in the Pyrenees. Um, this was when you went after COVID that first yeah yeah but I I can also um remember I was lucky enough to sit in the back of the bus with Wim Mm -hmm. at the end of the climb of the Pyrenees and he asked me to share my story and somehow I mentioned how my mum would go to Vietnam and collect uh, buy extra luggage mm-hmm. and collect secondhand clothes. Mm-hmm. And she would take those secondhand clothes and on her holidays, she would then go to the orphanages in our hometown in Da Nang mm-hmm. and then give those clothes to the orphans. Oh. And as I told Wim that, he started to shed a tear. Mm-hmm. And he says, Matthew, Let's help these orphans. Mm. Let's find a charity to help these orphans. And I just didn't expect that, you know, that he could feel the pain of somebody on the other side of the world, somebody with no parents, with no influence hardly, with hardly a voice in the poorest countries, one of the poorest countries of the world. Mm -hmm. And not only that, on the last day, he shook my hand and says, Matthew, son of God, <laughs> charity, one million orphans, take me to Vietnam. Wow. So since then, I thought, how do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, I'll become an instructor. And so, yeah, I had a bit of a dry run a couple of months ago going back uh-huh. to Vietnam. Uh-huh. to run my first workshop and visit an orphanage and so on to start to explore ideas of how how I can, you know, get enough clout together yeah. to 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 do to be able to draw women to come to Vietnam. Yeah. And so, so I want to manifest that. That's amazing. I mission. Yeah. It's like Wim has spoken and then you're just like, all in. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. and you know he's full of save the Amazonas, oh, yeah. and and so on. There's all these amazing stories, but you know, he all of it. He he really, he he really felt the pain of these orphans with 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 no voice. Yeah, he really shed a tear, and um, and for me, despite all the politics behind and and all the this and that around business and whatever. For me, it's him 
and his message mm-hmm. and his purity and and the clarity of word around helping one another and sharing the message of what a beautiful message this is. It's just all free. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the breath is free. It's pure. The cold is free. The water is flowing. Mm-hmm. And our mindset, if we allow it to be free, is free. Mm-hmm. Instead of being so outsourcing everything to our health, outsourcing it to medication, outsourcing it to treatments, outsourcing it to, uh, the, as a massage therapist or as as whatever, the first thing I, I say is you are your best therapist. I might here just to be guiding you a little bit, but don't keep coming back to me. You have, you have to learn some of these things to understand your body so that you can best heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, two days ago, I, I, I live in the town where Carl Jung did okay. a lot of his work in Zurich, Switzerland. And um, I don't know, it, it's been attributed to him, but I don't know if it's true. My company name is called Heal Well. Mm-hmm. I believe in healing, but something turned everything upside down yesterday because this quote says, there's no such thing as healing. There's only letting go huh. by Carl Jung. I haven't heard that one. I haven't either, but I just thought it's really, it's really hung on me. Yeah. You know, everything that is about our breath work that we call the WHM mm-hmm. is a deep breath in and no effort at letting go. Mm-hmm. And letting go is just no effort if we allow it. Because often what we do is we say, oh, I need to go to sleep earlier. I should book myself a massage. I shall, you know, treat myself to a spa day or I want to take a longer holiday. All these shoulds, must, shall, should is another little poke, another little chip weight on our shoulders. No, change the language we speak with ourselves. I give myself permission to go to bed earlier. Give myself permission for self-care. And then we're much more generous. I give myself permission to be in a little bit of discomfort, to find my comfort. I give myself permission to take myself into the cold water. And then it's a pleasure of it. Yeah, it's a whole different mindset. Yeah, because it's really hard to change the client's mindset because they'll start to say, oh, I want to relax more. And then I say, no, mm-hmm. I want to relax more is another little poke at you. Mm-hmm. That's like, I want to buy that new car. I need that thing. What if you have everything you ever wanted already? Mm-hmm. Give myself that permission to relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that permission is so important. Um, I think I discovered the importance of permission when I was a new mother and like feeling like so shifting gears in my own life and then um yeah feel like 
having to do the dishes, having to do the laundry, having to keep a child alive, having to do all these things was like what was always going through my head because that's kind of what we think adulthood looks like. And then on the days, like just realizing the unhealthy cycle that that puts you in when you're constantly having those, I have to, I should, I need to, um, and you know, these unmet things just build on you and build the guilt. And how do you, how do you manage that? And so then like shifting it over to like, you know, I see all these things that I am telling myself need to get done and and I should be doing them, but I'm going to give myself permission to like sit with my child right now while they play, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That was like my first step onto that path. And that was like a huge game changer for me. Um, yeah. To just feel comfortable in being in the moment. This forecourt here mm-hmm. at lunchtime gets really busy with eat people lunchtime working, eating, and then smoking and leaving rubbish and stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to be in an old math, you get so annoyed with all the rubbish that's left behind mm-hmm. the cigarette butts because it's a big people like to go outside and smoke and something like that. And I used to just hate that, right? Um, but now I meditate. I give myself permission to meditate while I pick up rubbish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and two people this afternoon was saying to me, was saying, why are you doing that? There are people picking, you know, paid to pick up that rubbish and stuff like that. You know, we live in Switzerland, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's like little Disneyland people say all the time. But I said, no, I love doing it because it's I'm meditating. <laughs> so now I kind of seem to have flipped things around. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you know what else is like you also are no longer the victim of other people leaving rubbish and trash and it clouding up your mental. Yes. Brain, right. And then you're taking control of it and in your permission to yourself to like manage it in a whole different way and then take a different mindset. You're also like, yeah, you're expanding your choices and seeing yourself not as just something, somebody that this is being done to. You have a place in it. As a health insurance recognized foot reflexologist too, and Mm -hmm. a person who's barefoot for two years, Mm -hmm. at the beginning when I was barefoot, I would just hate it every time I step on something sharp or a pebble or something like that. But then I started to reframe and say, hey, look. So I, I, because I'm training people to go barefoot. If you ever sit, step on a pebble, right? It, there's two things that happens. One thing is you have to say, hey, how mindful were you where you stepped? Mm-hmm. Right. But second is say, wow, yes three foot reflexology <laughs> yeah. right because how your body moves because of that that um little pebble that is stepping on your foot will adjust slightly it will adjust your th- calf muscles your knees your, your upper leg your hips your spine you're going to get so much more postural health because mm-hmm. of that pebble right <laughs> and you know wearing shoes I see is nothing as but, you know, prisons for our feet. 
there is mm. a time to wear sunglasses, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't wear it all the time. It's the same. You shouldn't wear shoes all the time. There's mm. a time for them and there should there's a time where you should consider being free and be connected truly with our mother again. Mm-hmm. Is that what you found since you've gone, since you've been barefoot is, um, yeah. What is, what is your experience with that? I found m- my Achilles heel has a lot less inflammation. Oh, wow. I found one amazing side effect is I am at the most just two steps ahead of myself. Right, I'm really, really present because huh? if I'm not present uh-huh. and now, I'm going to step into shit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> or hurt myself. Uh-huh. Right? And so it just forced me to find, it found, it gave me a way to be really present because before that, I'm just like zapping away on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, that's, now I do that because to become more, even more present. Yeah. I, I have the most monkey mind of anybody. <laughs> and I often say, Matthew, move move south from the monkey mind and move down to the reptilian mind. <laughs> move well, and your feet definitely bring you there a lot sooner, don't they? With that connection and that grounding. And also like, I don't know if you see that I, so I, my background is in early childhood and um, just in my training, like I have been trained to watch how people or how young children move to it, because oftentimes that's a symptom of something else happening, or it just tells you, wow, you know, like their gross motor capacities tell you a lot about like what other capacities or their fine motor capacities tell you about other capacities. Right. So you're, so from there, like I'm always observing how people move, like not just children, but adults as well. And so much more recently in, in recent years are, I'm noticing a lot of people not using their heels a lot. So they're just stepping and staying on the balls of their feet and their heels just stay up. And to me, your heel is like what sets you on this earth. And it says, I am here on this earth. I am grounded. I am gravity. Like if you're on your toes, you're fighting gravity, right? You're like trying to lift off, which is just a symptom like that we are all in our heads still. And we're all just like distracted and out here is how I see it. But um, yeah, I'm seeing that so much more. And I know like, especially when I'm barefoot, I like, I feel my entire foot and I feel each heel strike and it's just like I feel yeah I really feel the 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 ion exchange difference Mm -hmm. the latest trend which I want to 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 do my own experience with is like these people are measuring the voltage Uh uh-huh you have the soil and when you have synthetic soles or you have wooden shoes or you have leather shoes or you have no shoes and you measure that difference and but I I intuitively feel that hugely difference right it it's a a very funny thing you know like I'm known in Zurich as the the guy who's barefoot and (laughs) and now it tests my own Mm self-confidence am I confident enough to have my shoes on Mm -hmm. if I want to wear shoes yeah you know what I mean? Because right. 
because yeah. well, and so it flips the other way. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like when you become that guy, and then you feel like you've betrayed somebody when you're not that guy. But it's just like, no, I, this is me, and I'm just doing this for me. I'm not doing it for other people. Yeah, <laughs> I've noticed that too because I started wearing just um, sandals year round. I don't. Uh, it's rare if I'm in boots or anything like covering my feet. Um, I'm not a hundred percent barefoot by any means, but, um, yeah. And then like this last winter, there were some moments where I was like, you know, I, for like a safety reason, I just felt like I needed to have shoes on. And it was like this internal dialogue of like fighting myself, you know, <laughs> like, no, but if other people see you, what, what are they going to think? Or like, people are going to make comments. And it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't wearing sandals for other people. I was honestly doing it for myself, my own health, my yeah, own. Wedding. And I think it's it's at my own maturity as do I still need to prove myself yeah. somehow and things like that and overcoming that confidence. Mm-hmm. It was another big challenge, you know, when I for us to go back to Vietnam as you know overseas Vietnamese who escaped and come back, and now maybe we become more established and to visit our neighborhood and everything it was really hard for my family Mm -hmm. I came from Australia I'm Australian Mm -hmm. to accept me being barefoot in our old town because we're supposed to have made it you know you know Uh I mean and yet I'm barefoot you know can't I have shoes you know and 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 things like that that was like a class yes Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, how was it going back with your family? Do you go by back regularly to Vietnam or was this like the first big trip? Did I miss that? It was it was a very strange trip because I am Australian by passport, Vietnamese mm-hmm. by birth, but mm-hmm. I live in Switzerland for 19 years mm-hmm. and I want to become Swiss, but okay. I can't be Swiss without my birth certificate. But I was paperless. And I left as Uh a traitor of the communist government. Uh So I now needed to go back to Vietnam, look for my birth certificate. So I become Swiss. So it's this huge coming around of a circle that I needed to close, right? Uh In in Swiss German, there's a saying called the Christ schließes sich. The circle closes itself. And Uh I need to close this circle. And I went to all the bureaus and, and things. So... To answer that question, now that I was back in Vietnam, I'm so proud to be Vietnamese. Mm. And um, and my town has become so amazing, crazily booming <laughs> that I now want to buy an apartment on the beach there. I come from Da Nang, which is the world's third busiest airport during the Vietnam War. <laughs> the world's third. So the whole American effort was all there. Right. I remember hearing the bombing and going into the bunkers and everything like that. Anyway, this town was never established along the beach. So now all this beach line, which is 30 kilometers long of pure, beautiful, deep, very safe beach, mm-hmm. has never been developed until recently. Mm-hmm. And so now it can expand so dramatically without all that pressure of urban expansion. Mm-hmm. 
And so now, stupidly or, or, or weirdly, I want to buy an apartment yeah. on the beach where I was born. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. That sounds like... And so it's it's like a circle that keeps closing and circling. Yeah. <laughs> so I I needed to do that piece of paper. I have a piece of paper that says there's no way I can get my birth certificate. Uh-huh. So now I can hopefully with that I can uh-huh. apply for my Swiss citizenship. Does that feed into your vision forward with working in Vietnam, working potentially in orphanages with like bringing the Wim Hof method with you? Yeah, and I if. Found you- that. Like, what's your, like, what, if you could do anything, what would that look like? Do you have an, a, do you have a clear vision? Yes, I, um, so I decided long ago that I'm only doing any and everything that I love and I'll hunt, sniff out, do whatever it is to, to make a living from that. Mm-hmm. And I can see myself in Vietnam running a a permanent Wim Hof method center Mm -hmm. with permanent uh, ice bath. And because it's so tropical, you can um, really find such a market for it. Oh, I bet. And I can live off it. But more than that, I want to free my fellow Vietnamese people from our fear, our really entrenched fear of the cold. Mm. Um, so mm. irrational. And maybe it's some of the the Eastern thinking um, around how maybe negative or maybe poisonous the cold can be, mm-hmm. but everything's around balance at much higher levels. Um, we don't see the cold as something to be fearful or something to be thinking as poison Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so i want to really spread that word and help um contribute to these beautiful lives and show people bring bring wim hof method instructors and um coming out of vietnam Mm -hmm. and then having that happen that sounds amazing throughout your this conversation it's clear that you are aware of those things that set you apart and that make you different and that that is you know part of your consciousness and it's also clear that you know who you are and you're unapologetically that when i met you in poland in march like that was what was like, uh, made me fall in love with you as a human was just like, Matthew is Matthew is Matthew. And he is a hundred percent genuine to that selfhood and expressing that. And I love that about you. Um, and just out of curiosity has finding the Wim Hof method changed your inner experience of balancing your inner and your outer world and expression of that. You know, I think I started being happy mm-hmm. um, the day I stopped trying to fit in. Yeah. Trying to conform. Mm-hmm. You know, Ray is, um, you know, a first child, Asian family. Uh, I needed to be responsible and be respectful and, and you know, find a 
good profession and good wife and stuff. I could never do any of those things. You know, I keep saying I'm not just a minority or double minority, triple or quadruple minority. Not only am I a foreigner, I always look different as an Asian man, always different as a minority, as a gay man. Um, I fought for many, many years. Why should I do massage? You know, there's such a stereotype as an Asian person to do massage. And now I embrace that stereotype. People book me more because, oh my God, he's Asian. He must be good in massage. So I play that up. <laughs> and and so there, the, I, barefooting is just like, oh, I'm already different anyway. So people don't speak to me in German because I, I look like I maybe don't speak German. And so I'm always that minority already. So I now just embrace it yeah. and just be me. And and even in the Wim Hof tribe or in 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 these self development and growth environments, I'm also super minority, like we all are. And then that makes us super, super special and we flourish in that um multiverse yeah. of diversity. Thank you for being you and for being here with me today. Um how does your Wim Hof practice look today is our wrap-up question. It's weird. For a long while now, having left the corporate world, I wanted to do only everything that I want and love to do. Uh -huh. So I've built a life that can sustain me around massage and mm -hmm. training and fitness. And now, since I've become an instructor, way before that, breath work and ice bath bathing. I do breath work. I lead breath work with about six or seven times a day. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Through my clients. Mm -hmm. um, so may or maybe that's a bit too many, four or five times a day. Mm -hmm. so, um, and... I go into the water very briefly about two or three times a day. Mm -hmm. um, recently, something very weird happened, which was I would wake up in the morning. I used to go in the water when the group goes into the water mm -hmm. and I take the group in the water. I do that three or four times a week because I have a group that does that. Mm -hmm. um, and they're used to start by three rounds of breath work, ice for two minutes and then warm up and then a quick strength training workout and then off to work three mm -hmm. times. I've been doing that now for four years. Nice. Right. Um, I added more Wim Hof stuff because we were going into the river, but I, I just thought, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. So I better professionalize <laughs> myself because we got so cold. I come back into, come back into the, in the middle of winter and I, my, couldn't get my oh <laughs> my, my key into the door to turn the door to get into the warmth. Uh -huh. So I better learn how to do this. But recently something really weird happened is I wake up and instead of normally setting up for the class, my body would just say, get into the water, get into the water, get into the water. So I have this calling first mm -hmm. thing in the morning to get into the water first, mm -hmm. get out, and then 
start my morning routine. So it just heads my whole morning routine before breath work, before tooth tooth break, uh, brushing, before everything. Nice. And that's, uh, so it sounds like it's just a part of, it's just always there in your life and always present. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. not even like a practice any, or yeah, in the sense of a practice being something separate that you set time aside for or anything like that. It's just that you have it multiple times throughout your day and you're just living it. Yeah. And if I haven't got it for a couple of days, mm-hmm. I'm really miserable. <laughs> yeah. I really, really miss it. I what really do you notice it. that you miss the most? Like what effect? I just feel a little bit heavy and yeah. a little bit. I feel like like Wim had said he discovered the the, the secret to mood regulation. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> <Same>. um, <laughs> and it's it's the easiest thing. If I have a cup of a, a dilemma, mm-hmm. right? I want to ask what I should do. I go in with the intention of what asking my body in my breath work, what I should do. And I'll find that out. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I have something negative, mm-hmm. right. I go into the water. I leave that into the water and then I let, let go until it's in the water. Then I leave. And it could be just really getting in and out. Right. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. Often I would just go in. I really sink my head in. Mm-hmm. I know that's not necessarily the Wim Hof method, but I always, I can't do it without sinking my head in. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember Wim was saying, oh my God, Matthew, in the water. Is it? <laughs> At the end, it was after, was it the 10 minute mark? Matthew, you're playing in the water. Because in the end, everybody stands up and gets out. I Everybody is standing up, so there's some space that I sink my head into everyone's feet and moving everything around. So it got colder, right? Oh, that's great. So fun. Getting chastised by Wim for playing. Come on now. He's the biggest boy. Right? I, I love this so purely and so, so exactly. I am changed much more positive, happier, um, engaged, present, mm-hmm. more grateful person yeah. than I've ever been. Oh, that's wonderful. And to be really part of a tribe mm-hmm. of people where we are really, I wouldn't even say we're one or two percent. You know, we are, when we meet another person who believe in finding comfort in discomfort and that that makes a stronger better smarter healthier fitter freer um i I feel so honored and attached and bonded yeah and with the bottom of my heart i thank you sarah thank you matthew thanks for joining me uh have a beautiful rest of the evening and i look forward to talking to you soon And thank you for joining us for this episode of How I Hoff. It is truly a pleasure to spend this time with you. 
As always, I'd like to remind you that the information on this podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only. The content does not reflect the viewpoint of Wim Hof or his methods organization, Interfire. All experiences are personal to the speaker and are not meant to be taken as medical advice. Before beginning any wellness practice, including the Wim Hof Method, it is always recommended to speak with your doctor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast sites. It will help others to find us and utilize this free resource. Until next time, this is Sarah Norris with How I Hoff.